Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. In the opening sequence, the narrator tells us what will happen in the play. The Johnston twins will be separated and they will die. Then we are introduced to the two mothers, Mrs. Johnston and Mrs. Lyons. Mrs. Johnston, who is struggling to bring up a large family on her own, learns that she is expecting twins. She's got a job as a cleaner, which means she can just about manage, but two extra mouths to feed will wreck this fragile setup. Still in shock, she goes to her job where her employer, Mrs. Lyons, persuades Mrs. Johnston to give her one of the twins to bring up as her own. Mrs. Lyons can't have children and wants desperately to be a mother. She overcomes Mrs. Johnston's reluctance by emphasizing what a good life she will be able to give the child compared to the life of poverty lived by the Johnstons. The narrator starts the play speaking to the audience. Did you hear the story of the Johnston twins? He reveals what's going to happen right at the start. Did you never hear how the Johnstons died, never knowing that they shared one name till the day they died? This seems an odd thing to do. It gives away the ending, and so the shock of the final scene is lessened. On the other hand, it leaves the audience with different questions. We know what happens, but not why or how. So we find ourselves judging everyone's actions and weighing up how they contribute to the tragedy we know is coming. The audience's interest is engaged in a different way. We can see this clearly when Mrs. Johnston walks forward. The narrator describes her as... The mother, so cruel, there's a stone in place of her heart. This is not a fair comment on Mrs. Johnston, but at this stage, the audience is wondering how a mother could give away a child. So the narrator's words reflect our judgment on a woman who can do such a thing. Then he focuses our attention on the key question. How does it happen? What makes her do it? Then bring it on and judge for yourselves how she came to play this part. Having introduced Mrs. Johnston as cruel, Russell now builds up sympathy for her. The stage directions tell us immediately that her life has been hard. She's aged 30, but looks more like 50. Directors usually achieve this tricky impression by giving her dowdy, ill-fitting clothes, greying hair and pale makeup. Mrs. Johnston tells her backstory, the story of her marriage, in a song. In this play, the songs often act like a soliloquy in a conventional play. They are a way for the characters to speak their thoughts aloud to the audience. This first song, Marilyn Monroe, very skillfully sets out Mrs. Johnston's situation and character. She was a pretty, lively girl who loved dancing, fell for a man, and married him because she was pregnant. She was abandoned by him when her looks faded, after having seven children by him, and one more nearly due. It's an unhappy story, but Mrs. Johnston tells it with wit and humour, and we warm to her. She seems like a strong character. 
For instance, there's humour in her account of her wedding. We all had curly salmon sandwiches, and how the ale did flow. They said the bride was lovelier than Marilyn Monroe. The narrator now appears as a milkman, and threatens to stop delivering the milk unless she pays her bill. This short exchange develops Mrs Johnston's character. She pleads with him for more time to pay. After all, the milk is essential in a house full of children. But she's also optimistic, a fighter. We hear that she's got a new job. I'll have money coming in, and I'll be able to pay you. So the last verse of the song is more optimistic, designed to cheer up the children. The image of Marilyn Monroe is important. Monroe was a beautiful and very charismatic young actress, the epitome of Hollywood glamour. She is still an icon today, more than 50 years after her death. By wanting to be like her, Mrs Johnston shows she longs for some romance and glamour in her life. She wants to go dancing and be admired, <laughs> rather than live a life of drudgery that she's trapped in now. There was another side to the story of Marilyn Monroe, though. Despite being a huge star, she suffered from anxiety and depression at times. Eventually, she died of a drug overdose, which was possibly suicide, at the age of 36. This darker side is relevant here, giving an ironic sadness to the last lines. We'll live like kings, like bright young things, like Marilyn Monroe. These darker associations grow, and become important later in the play. Notice how there are no set changes or curtains between the settings. For example, Mrs Johnston's dance steps take her from the end of the song into Mrs Lyons's house. The audience know the setting and time have changed because a brush, dusters and a mop bucket are given to her as she dances across the stage. Think about how these changes affect the audience. There's nothing to interrupt the pace and flow of the action, creating a sort of inexorable momentum, which speeds up as we go through the play. On the other hand, it's not naturalistic. The audience is continually reminded that this is not reality, but a story. From her first entrance, Mrs Lyons is contrasted with Mrs Johnston to highlight their different lives. She employs Mrs Johnston, so right from the start there is a difference of status between them. Her house is large, and Mrs Johnston says it's... Such a lovely house. It's a pleasure to clean it. She enters carrying a parcel, which we soon find contains new shoes. She has the money to shop for fashionable things where Mrs Johnston does not. In the first scene, Mrs Lyons is a sympathetic character. She is friendly to Mrs Johnston, and she gets the audience's sympathy when she explains how much she wanted children but can't have them. She wants to adopt, but her husband is against the idea. She is clearly lonely, especially now that her husband is working abroad for nine months. The two women speak very differently. This is another way in which Russell shows the contrast between them. Notice how Mrs Johnston uses a lot of abbreviated words and non-standard grammar, 
And, of course, she has a strong Liverpudlian accent. I'm back on my feet and working the next day, you know. On the other hand, Mrs Lyons speaks quite formally, pronouncing you and sounding the G at the end of words, which Mrs Johnston usually drops. She talks about children, while Mrs Johnston uses the colloquial word kids. She also addresses Mrs Johnston as Mrs J, which is playful and informal, but is also patronising. It would not be acceptable for Mrs Johnston to call her Mrs L. That would be disrespectful. This is an early indicator of the power imbalance between them, which will be so significant later on in the play. This first conversation also introduces the key theme of superstition. Mrs Johnston reacts with horror when Mrs Lyons puts her new shoes on the table. There is a widespread superstition, especially in the north of England, that bad luck will come to anyone who puts shoes on a table. It may well go back to the old tradition of placing the shoes of the dead on a table as a mark of respect. Mrs. Johnston is terrified, and for once forgets to speak politely. Jesus Christ, Mrs. Lyons, what are you trying to do? Again, we see a contrast with the better-educated, middle-class Mrs. Lyons, who laughs at the idea. She says, oh, go on with you, but she takes them away for Mrs. Johnston's sake. She may be a bit patronising to Mrs. Johnston, but she is kind and considerate. At this point, the narrator, as a gynaecologist, breaks the news that Mrs Johnston is having twins. She returns to work in shock and tells Mrs Lyons the news. And immediately, Mrs Lyons has the idea of taking one of the twins. Oh, it's mad. I know it is. It's mad. But it's wonderful. It's perfect. Mrs Johnston is reluctant, but she becomes convinced. She knows that she'll struggle to feed two more children, and she's scared of the welfare, who are already telling her to put some of the children into care. In the song My Child, she moves from resisting the idea to giving way, because she imagines the life the lions could give the baby. If my child was raised in a palace like this one, he wouldn't have to worry where his next meal was coming from. At first, the deal feels positive. Mrs Lyons hugs Mrs Johnston and kisses her. Mrs Johnston helps her to fake a bump using a cushion. But then the atmosphere changes as Mrs Lyons picks up a Bible and wants Mrs Johnston to swear on it. The seriousness of this is underlined by the sound of a deep, repetitive note. The stage direction says, a bass note, repeated as a heartbeat. This beat reminds us that it's a human life they're dealing with. It represents the baby's heartbeat, and also that inexorable ticking of time. The narrator darkens the mood further when he says, There's no going back for anyone. It's too late now for feeling torn. There's a pact been steeled, there's a deal been done. 
So this section ends on quite a dark note, and we're reminded that there's trouble ahead. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next pod. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.